Good morning. Welcome to Covenant Presbyterian Church. We're glad to have you. We're always glad to see people that uh, worship with us regularly, and we welcome visitors. Hope you'll feel welcomed as well. And uh, we're glad you chose to worship with us today and pray that you'll be blessed as you hear the word and sing the hymns and uh, pray together with us. If everybody would take a moment and sign the friendship roll and pass it down. Uh, if you want to go incognito and just kind of fly under the radar, you don't have to put your address. But put your name on there where people on the road might know with whom they're worshiping. And so we're glad you're here again. A couple of things I'd like to underline is one is tonight is our annual joy gift. There will be uh, lessons and carols, Bible readings, and songs by the choir and by us. But the offering always goes to take up, we take up the offering to, to help the widows and orphans and missionaries that come back and retire or find themselves in uh, financial straits. The money is highly screened so that it goes to people that really need it. This congregation has every year been very generous. And uh, I don't say this to to stroke your pride, but uh, you have been one of the most generous congregations at this time of year in our whole denomination. And so I know you'll be that tonight. So come ready to give to the, to the widows and orphans and missionaries in time of need. Also, if you are uh, coming, please bring some uh, table-ready food, stuff like chocolate chip cookies and oatmeal cookies, and I'll just give you some ideas, you know. <laughs> Pimento cheese sandwiches, uh, you know, stuff like that. Tonight also, uh, there will be uh, instrumental music starting about a quarter till. And so if you'd like to come hear some good music, just uh, come early. Come at 5.45 instead of 6 and hear the music. You see the other things mentioned uh, this week. The ladies are invited to the Pamper and Prayer Shower for Leanna Miller. And that's at Jenny Smith's house and also Circles there as well. We're going Carolyn Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. And so if you uh, have anybody you want to carol, Please let me know. With no more announcements, let's prepare our hearts to worship God. calls us to worship 
from Psalm 100. Join me as we come before him together. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and offer praise and adoration, not just because you are worthy, but because you have called us. We could not come before you if it were up to our own decisions and desires, for apart from your movement toward us, we are indisposed towards you, moving towards sin and rebellion. But we praise you for the gospel of grace in which Jesus Christ has made the way for us to come back to you. Indeed, all that you have done for us in the gospel, you are worthy of praise for every part and and everything that you continue to do. We thank you, O Lord, that you have seen fit to draw us to yourself, to purify us from sin, to set us free from its corruption, and to bring us home to glory one day where we will be with you forever. Come and fill our hearts with the hope of glory that we may praise and worship your holy name as you rightfully deserve. We come not in our own strength, so Holy Spirit, please fill us that you may receive what is duly yours. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior and King, the Lord Jesus Christ, and now we pray together as he himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our profession of faith this morning comes from the Apostles' Creed. As, as we read, pay attention and see that God has done all things necessary for our salvation. He's our Maker and our Savior. Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Take your hymnals and turn to 195, and we're going to sing together. Praise to our God. Joy to the world, the Lord has come.
please be seated. Pay attention to your bulletins. We have a, it's the same catechism question we went through last week. A fitting question as Tim works his way through Hebrews 11, Heidelberg Catechism 21. I'll ask, let's respond together with the answer printed there. Christian, what is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in His Word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O Lord our God, You are a Spirit, in and of Yourself, infinite in being, glory, blessedness, and perfection. You are all-sufficient, eternal, unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present. You are almighty, knowing all things. You are most wise, most holy, most just, most merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. And therefore, O Lord, you are to be feared and loved, praised, called upon, trusted in and served with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our might. You are worthy of all glory and praise and dominion. And we confess this morning in your presence that we are sinners before you. Indeed, many of us, by your grace and mercy, have been brought into a new estate of happiness and holiness in the Lord Jesus, but we confess that we still find and fight the remnants of the former man. We still carry around in ourselves the guilt of Adam's first sin, that lack of righteousness wherein he was created, and, and, and the corruption of his nature whereby we are utterly indisposed and disabled. We are made opposite unto all that is spiritually good. Lord, we confess that in ourselves, on our own, we are wholly inclined to all evil, and that continually. And still, even as Your chosen people, from this remaining corruption proceeds actual transgressions of thought and word and deed. We cannot step very far before we have offended You before our hearts have chosen to rebel and go our own way, before we have sought after our own truth of some kind and formation from our imaginations. Please, O oh Father, for the sake of Your dear Son, forgive us. Forgive us how we have displeased You and, and walked away from You. We plead Your grace that was manifested in the covenant of grace and that is indeed still shown to us in the gospel of Jesus. You have provided and offered to us as sinners a mediator and life and salvation by him. Grant us faith that we may have an interest in the Lord Jesus. Send your Holy Spirit to work that faith in us with all the other saving graces that we need and enable us unto holy obedience that we may continue by your grace and by your plan to bear witness to our faith and witness to the thankfulness that you have filled us with. We praise you, O Lord our God, for the wonderful, happy news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that sinners are saved from the, the judgment against our sin. And we ask, O Lord, that you would come and refresh our faith this morning and that if any might be here under the ministry of your word, who has not yet grasped hold of Christ with saving faith, that you would work it in their hearts even this morning, that they may not go to bed apart from your saving mercy. Lord, we praise you, oh Lord Jesus, for your, 
your great prophetic work of revealing your word to us by it and by your spirit. We love your word, O God, that the whole will of your holy purpose and all things concerning our edification and our sanctification. And so we do ask that you would come and, and work these things for us this morning, that you would edify us, that you would remind us of our salvation. Be, be with us, O oh Lord. Be with your people in all the various circumstances to which you've called us. Each of us have been called to walk a hard road as a follower of Christ. There, there's nothing ever easy or calm about fighting sin and living unto righteousness, would you grant, O Lord, that we may all have eyes of faith, that we may see spiritual matters before all other things, and so that so also we may repent of our sin and, and turn back from it to you in new obedience. Give us a zeal that, that we would make use of all the outward means whereby Christ has communicated to us the benefits of his mediation. Give us a zeal and a love for your worship and for prayer, give us a love, O Lord, for the fellowship of the saints and for the sacraments that you have given. Stir us up, O Lord, that we would desire that which communicates your grace and mercy to us. And give us a desire to shun all other things. Would you come, O Holy Spirit, and be present to comfort those who are grieving or are in seasons of particular difficulty? Would you lift them up and give them strength that they may know that the peace of the Holy Spirit, which, which is something that we cannot fully comprehend or understand, give, give this peace to those who hurt and those who are crying and those who weep. Bless them, O Lord, and make them to know the comfort of the gospel and the hope of heaven. Bless now your servant as he comes to proclaim your word. Give him courage to speak plainly, not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Give him faithfulness and wisdom and zeal and sincerity. And grant those of us who listen diligence and thoughtfulness that we may receive the truth with faith and love, with meekness and readiness of mind as the word of God. Give us that which we need to hide it in our hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in our lives. All of this we pray for the glory of Christ and in his name. Amen. Let's stand again and sing praise to our God. 565, all for Jesus. pray together. Uh, since my eyes were fixed on Jesus, I've lost sight of all beside. So enchained my spirit's vision looking at the crucified. Father, our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, that because he was rich and became poor, that out of his poverty we might be made rich. We have riches of salvation, 
promise of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, of being adopted into the family, just so many things. And so we give today cheerfully. We give out of gratitude. We don't give with drudgery or compulsion. We give because you have called us to give. And we're grateful that we can give and contribute to the works of the church as they spread the good news around the world. And I pray that you'd bless the gifts and bless the giver. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Wilson used to say, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Uh, what a, a glorious anthem. Uh, ignore the scripture reading in the bulletin and turn to Genesis chapter 4. Keep your finger, though, on Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, the two go together, as you understand. Genesis chapter in verse 1 Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain she said with the help of God I brought forth a man later she gave birth to his brother Abel now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil in the course of time Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord and Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why is your face cast down? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do what is right, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you. You must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. Then go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read one verse, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. God's word to God's people. Let's pray. Open our eyes that we might behold beautiful things in your word. Open our ears that we might hear the truth. Free our wills that we might be able to walk in your ways to the glory of God in, in such a way that we not only glorify you, but enjoy you even forever. In Jesus' name, amen. When Sarah and I were in seminary, 
we were talked into buying a house. It was a one-bedroom house, if you've ever seen such. And it was on this drive called Elfin Avenue. You probably would never find Elfin Avenue in the Jacks, greater Jackson area. But we had some great neighbors, but once they found out I was going to seminary, I was the go-to answer man. And I can remember my neighbor coming out with a great big Bible, and she had a bunch of questions about Cain. And I had to kind of deflect some of them, but there are a lot of questions you could ask about Cain and Abel. Questions that we probably have never even pondered are available for our inquiry. How old were they? Were they 12? Were they 30? Or were they 120? Where was this offering? Was it at the entrance of the Garden of Eden where God had placed the cherubim to keep Adam and Eve from going back lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever in their sinful state? Where was the place of the altar? What was the altar made out of? Was it the same place God sacrificed an animal so that he could close Adam and Eve in their nakedness and cover up their shame? How much did they know about worship? How much instruction did they have? Where did Cain get his wife? Where is the land of Nod? What is the mark of Cain? Those are questions we could answer, but we're not going to answer. But we're going to answer these questions. Why was Abel's sacrifice approved and Cain's not? How did Cain respond to the gospel, the invitation of God to repent and to believe? And how did Abel speak even though he's dead? When you look at this passage, you understand that there's some questions that we can answer that are very obvious, like why did God accept Abel's sacrifice? It says in the passage that we read, it was better. It was greater. In what way was it better? In what way was it greater? You could answer that at least five or six different ways, and commentaries have done that. And some people take the easy way out and say, because it was a blood sacrifice. Well, we don't know if that's the real only reason. It's part of the reason. But as you read through the Bible, you'll come to places like Isaiah chapter 1, where the blood sacrifices were offered in vain, and God was sick of receiving them. And so blood by itself wasn't the answer. Some say because Abel was righteous and Cain was unrighteous. And the Bible says that if you harbor or you cherish sin in your heart, God will not hear your prayers and the sacrifice of the evil are abomination to God. Some say that it was because Cain's was not sincere. It wasn't meaningful. It doesn't really come from his heart. Others say that maybe it wasn't of the best of his crops. It just said he got some of them. And one commentary said he just grabbed some before he went, which I think that's a little harsh. He probably had some beautiful arrangement uh, figured out and brought to God. He didn't bring his best, some say, where Abel brought his best. Maybe it was because Cain was evil. When you go to 1 John chapter 3, it says this, that Cain was evil of the devil, and for that reason, he killed his brother. It doesn't say he killed his brother and then so was made evil, that the murder came from an evil heart. Calvin simplifies the whole thing and says the reason that Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted is because he wasn't of faith, and so he couldn't offer things by faith. He was not a believer. He was of the wrong line. But all the passage says is, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice and was commended. Faith was the reason that his, accept, his sacrifice was accepted and that he didn't have faith is the reason Cain's was not accepted. But what is faith? 
Remember last week we said faith is not just optimism, it's not just positive thinking, it's not just thinking things are going to turn out, it's not just being hopeful. Faith by definition is our trusting, obedient response to the Word of God. That faith is attached to something. Saving faith is attached to the finished work of Christ. And sanctifying living faith, which he's asking for here, is attached to the Word of God. And obviously, God had instructed them in some way, in some manner, what worship was to be like. And Abel followed that, and Cain didn't. And we have scriptural evidence to support that fact. When God approaches Cain, what does he say? If you had done what is right, or if you did what is right, would not you be accepted as well? There had to be some knowledge of right and wrong. There had to be some explanation of what was acceptable and what wasn't. God had to instruct them in some way. We don't have all the conversation that God had with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel or any of the people in the books of Genesis. You have to assume, though, if God is confronting him, if you do what is right, that they knew the wrong way. Cain knew what was wrong, and he did it anyway. There's another phrase in Genesis chapter 4. It says, in the course of time. James Montgomery Boyce said, in the course of time is kind of like saying, at the appointed time. At the appointed time, they brought their sacrifice. Was it on the Lord's day? Was it a day of, of different kind of worship or celebration? But he came at an appointed time and obviously came to the appointed place. We have to assume that they knew. We have to assume that Adam and Eve, their parents, told them about worship. Don't you believe that, you know, that here we are, and your parents are sitting around, and they say, you know what, things hadn't always been like this. That we were in the garden, and that we had one command, and that was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we ate it. And when we ate it, we, we changed. Something happened to us. We spiritually died. And all of a sudden, we understood we were naked and we were ashamed. <clears throat> and God, instead of killing us like he said he was going to do, the wage of sin is death. He killed an animal. And he took that animal's death instead of our death. It was a substitute. And God clothed our sins with his, 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 these skins. And we're righteous and we have a relationship with God now. Can't you imagine that that was told to them? And regardless of how old you think they were, they were told that for years and years and years. And now it comes to time in the course of time, Cain knowing all of that, offered what he knew was wrong, knowingly brought the wrong thing. There is this strange idea in vogue today. It doesn't matter how you worship or who you worship, but that you worship. And that is a falsehood. That God has so regulated his worship that he has told us how to worship himself. He has regulated our worship so that we're free to do only what is prescribed in scripture that God has approved of in, in his worship. Now, ours is not the only view. I have to be fair. Uh, the other view is a view that we're free to do whatever is not prohibited in worship. So if there's not a place where God said, thou shalt not, then thou can do it. And you, in a way, know that's not right, do you not? I was reading uh, Kevin DeYoung, and he wrote this article several years ago. He said he grew up in a Presbyterian or Reformed setting, and he didn't hear much about the regulative principle. And so when he got to be in his first church on staff, they had a worship meeting. And he said everybody threw out these creative, innovative ideas of what they might do. And he says, we, we decided that we needed to change the way we uh, did the prelude. And so we played the theme music to cheers. Now, and he said, and then on Labor Day, 
instead of a sermon on labor or, or God has called us to work six days and rest, he said we had different people dress up in their work clothes and tell us what they did for a living. And he said, why didn't somebody tell me growing up that God has directed how we worship? And here's what he says. He said, I usually don't talk about the regulative principle. We don't either. Usually, he said, usually when talking about cor corporate worship, I don't bring up the regulative principle. It's unknown to many and scary to others. So I try to get to the same idea from a different angle. I'll say something like this. What do we know that Christian worship services did in the Bible? We know they sang the Bible. We know they preached the Bible. We know they prayed the Bible. We know they read the Bible. We know they saw the Bible had sacraments. We don't see dramas or pet blessings or liturgical dance numbers. So why would we want to focus on anything other than what we know they did in services? Why try to improve on the elements we know that are pleasing to God and practiced in the early church? In other words, the regulative principle gives us the freedom to unapologetic go back to the basics and stay there. And that's the reason we do what we do in worship. That every element we believe is found in Scripture and directed towards our good and His glory. So faith means receiving, obeying, trusting the Word of God. And obviously Cain did not. Worshipped his own way. And was condemned. How did he respond to the gospel? You say, where is the gospel the gospel is in the way that God responded to him. God, God gently came to him and God had him to analyze his anger. Why are you angry? God didn't come and the first thing he said, okay, I told you how to do it. There's one strike, you're out of here. God didn't do like he did with Nadab and Abihu when they offered strange fire that God was so displeased with the fire that he, he consumed them by that fire. That God comes in a gracious, merciful way and says, have you analyzed your anger? Let me pause to say that's a good place to start. When you're angry, pause and ask, why are you angry? Why am I so mad? And if you're so mad, a lot of the time the problem might be you. You know, if everybody and everything is doing everything wrong and to your displeasure, then there's a good indication that you're not the measure of things. But what God does is God confronts Cain with, why are you so angry? You know, if you had done what is right, I would have accepted you. Analyze your anger. But God does more than that. God is gracious. And God says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted in other words god was basically giving him a do-over in golf i think you call that a mulligan right where you hit a bad first shot you get the second shot and god is graciously coming to him and said if you did what is right would you not be uh, accepted he's calling him to repent He's calling him to repent and believe and to bring back the sacrifice that was offered and he would be received by God. If you'll do the right thing, you will be approved. And what does he do? He doesn't respond. He does exactly what the writer to Hebrews has been warning us about the whole book. If you hear God speaking to you today, do not harden your hearts as they did in the day of Meribah, Psalm chapter Psalm 95. Don't harden your hearts to the Word of God. Don't hear something and say, just because Tim said it, you know, I'm not going to listen to it, or what does he know about it? But if you hear God's voice speaking through the passage, then you deal with it. And he didn't. He didn't deal with his anger. And then God gives a warning about sin. God says that sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it or you must rule over it. The image is really, you know, I've never been to Africa to big game hunting or stuff, but, 
you know, if you were in, I've been through Lamar's tales and stories, and Ashley, some of y'all have gone. But if you were on a safari and you were, you know, having breakfast and your guide came in and said, hey, there's a tiger out there in the bushes, and before you go out, you know, we need to either kill it or it's going to kill you, you'd probably say, gotcha. That's what God was saying. It's what John Owen says. You be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. The wages of sin is death. The problem with us, and I put myself in there, the problem with us is that we forget that sin is a power. We think of sin as an act. Sin is not an act. Sin is a power. He who sins, the Bible says, is a slave to sin. And that's the reason that Jesus warned us about sin in, the, in our minds. He said, if, you're, if you are angry in your heart with your brother, you have broken the commandment, thou shalt not murder. Because if you don't deal with anger, and if anger keeps growing, it's going to flesh itself, and itself out in some murderous act. Verbal or some action, maybe not actual murder, but it's going to try to destroy the life of another. Lust, if it's not dealt with, it will turn into immorality. Pornography is addictive. It's not just pleasure. It is addictive. Covetousness, the reason you deal with covetousness in your heart, it's because if you don't deal with it in your heart, you will act it out in your life. You will despise what your neighbor has. You won't rejoice with it. And you might even grow to the point where you want to steal what he has. God is saying to us through this passage that sin is like a crouching lion seeking to devour you. And don't harden your heart. But there's another thing that we didn't read in this passage or in the book of Genesis is in the book of Jude you probably haven't read the book of Jude you could read it this afternoon in three minutes uh, but the book of Jude warns us about the way of Cain don't follow the way of Cain in other words Cain becomes a prototypical false teacher he becomes somebody that has followers that act just like him. Don't follow the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? I have to say that I got these somewhere. I, I didn't plagiarize them because I'm telling you got it somewhere. But I just forgot where. And he lists, here's the way of Cain, which is the way of false teachers. A rebellious heart is clothed with re religious ritual. Cain was going through the ritual. His offering was not what God asked for, but it was probably beautiful. Second thing is obedience and worship are on my own terms. I let myself regulate it. I have disdain for those who worship rightly. You know, if, you, if somebody wanted to bring some innovation into the church. And the session said, no, you know, the Bible just doesn't ever prescribe that. Then you'll probably say, well, thank you. Or you probably wouldn't. You'd be mad. You'd probably call me and say, what's the session thinking? You know? A destruction of others. Maybe not killing them, but trying to destroy their reputation. Are there peace? A re, uh, unrepentant heart at God's correction when God confronts you in a sermon or a Bible study or a daily devotional, you don't repent. A resentment at the consequence of sin. We didn't read it, but Cain says, My penalty is too great. Another mark of Cain is a lack of appreciation for God's ongoing mercy that God continued to reach out to him and ask him to do what is right. So his response was not of that of faith and repentance. Let's quickly go to the third thing. Why 
was his accepted? Why was or how did Cain respond? And what did Abel say, although he's still dead? Abel speaks. In Genesis 4, God says, your brother's blood calls from the ground. And we know what it calls for. You go back to that and you compare it to what it says in Genesis. It's calling for, for vengeance. It's calling for God to do something because the innocent blood has been shed. But this doesn't talk about the blood here. It says, by faith, Abel speaks, though dead. It's interesting that the first person that faith is held up as an example for us becomes a martyr. Remember when we're studying the book of Hebrews, it's written to people who are thinking about leaving the faith, leaving the church, leaving Jesus, leaving this whole thing and going back to Judaism. Why? Because of persecution and people being thrown into prison and because property had been, been uh, confiscated. And, and in the horizon there was not just prison, there were penalties of death on the horizon. And people are wanting to leave. And the first example given of what it means to live by faith is the guy who lived by faith died for it. The person who lived by faith was willing to die for it. They hated him because he loved God. And you can go back and you can read some of the Hebrews, uh, the last ones that aren't mentioned. I'll just read a few. Uh, 34, 35 says, Others were tortured and refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some were jeered and flogged while others were chained and put into prison. Some were stoned. Others were sawed in two and they were put to death by the sword. They went around destitute, persecuted, mistreated. They wandered in desert and mountains and caves and holes. They were all commended for their faith and the world's not worthy of them. Now, if I was trying to encourage you, I would have probably left that out. I would have probably said, hey, Daniel in the lion's den, he got out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the fire, they got out. The people were in Egypt, they got out. But what he says is soberly, he says, you know, if you love God and you live by faith, there's a good possibility that the world's going to hate you. The question is, what does Abel say, though dead? I came up with several things, and we'll kind of close with this. One of the things that Abel says is that without faith, you cannot please God. And I would say that's being justified by faith. Without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He's the only way of salvation. There's only one mediator between God and man. And without faith in Christ, Calvin would say and agree, you can't offer a gift of faith. Number two, if you love God, you'll probably be hated by the world, meaning the world against God. Three, he says that there's always grace for the repentant. That just like God comes to Cain and asks him to repent and do what is right, there's always grace for the repentant. I don't know what you've done, but if you'll repent and turn to God, He'll forgive you. There's only one unforgivable sin. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The fourth, you must worship by faith, which means guided by the Word of God is one of the things. And the last thing is that you can speak without talking. I thought about that this morning when I was pondering this passage. My methodology for a sermon is I usually start on Monday morning. And by Monday afternoon, I try to have an outline. By Tuesday, I try to have a rough draft. And I try to spend an hour or so every day on that. 
and I really didn't think about this until this morning, that you can speak without faith, speak without words. Listen to this story I found. St. Francis once called to one of his young monks, let's go to town and preach. The novice, delighted at being singled out to be a companion of St. Francis, quickly obeyed. They passed through the streets and turned down many byways and alleys, made their way to some of the suburbs, and at length returned by the winding route to the monastery gate. As they approached the gate, the young man reminded Francis of his original intention. Have you forgotten, Father, that we went down to town to preach? My son Francis said, we have preached. We are preaching while we're walking. We have been seen by many. Our behavior has been closely watched. It is thus that we preach this morning our sermon. It is no use, my son, to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere we walk. Did you hear that? It is no use, my son, to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere we walk. We have to tell the gospel. People have to hear the good news. But you can't get away from the fact that your life says so much to so many. There's one other verse that I have to mention. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, it says that, did I say 11? Hebrews 12, verse 24, it says that Jesus' blood speaks better than Abel's. What does Jesus' blood say? There's forgiveness. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's forgiveness. There's peace with God. There's righteousness. There's, there's propitiation. The wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus. All the blessings of God are spoken by the blood of Jesus. And so if you listen to nobody, listen to the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Uh, thank you that it speaks a greater truth than the blood of Abel, but thank you for Abel's testimony. Help us to realize that without faith it's impossible to please you and help us to have that faith, even as being prayed in his morning prayer. Work faith in our heart. And do it by the power of your Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. What do you sing as a closing hymn to a sermon by, on faith? Oh, come all ye faithful. Let's stand and sing 208.
remember the joy gift is at six but the instrumental music starts 15 minutes earlier uh, hope you come receive the benediction which is from the book of hebrews we've been using it the whole time may it go with you and may the god of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our lord jesus that great shepherd of the sheep equip you with every good thing for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever grace be with you all amen Thank you.